Welcome to the second season of the Gutsy Health Podcast with Shanique Roney and Gina Warfel, where we share uncomplicated, practical, and affordable wellness education so you can be a self-healing champion. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Gutsy Health Podcast. I have my co-host Gina Warfel with me, and we have a really incredible guest. I've been looking forward to this interview for weeks. We have Dr. Michael Sapiro, and he is a clinical psychologist, and we're going to be talking about the most one of my most favorite topics because uh, he does personal like higher uh, awakenings and trauma therapy, but going deep and utilizing therapies and modalities that can really, really help you like retrain your brain and like blast through subconscious layers and like help you to reprogram. Oh my gosh. I think he just needs to introduce himself because (laughs) he does so many things and he's, he's got his fingers in so many places. And he is doing, if I had to go back in time and be like, this is what I want to do for work, it would be what Dr. Michael Sapir is doing because he is changing (laughs) lives on so many levels on like emotional, spiritual, mental heart Mm -hmm. levels. And so Dr. Michael Sapiro, welcome. Tell listeners who you are, what you do and how you got into this. There is no way to live up to what you just said. <laughs> Crazy and gross. Thank you. He's also very um, humble. <laughs> no, I'm working on humility, but that's that was a lot. I am doing my best to serve individuals, groups, communities, and the world in waking up to, you know, learning who we really are and who we're meant to be and what's in our way of getting there. And there's a lot of ways of waking up. There's a lot of ways of finding the pain, the wounds that are holding us back, the way we're conditioned to think of ourselves and other people, and then really moving toward thriving, well-being, and ultimately service of ourselves and other people and the planet. And I do that through a mix, a real integration of modalities of uh, some spiritual work or teaching the Dharma, teaching meditation, non-dual meditation, Buddhist Dharma, to doing research and science on psychedelic studies or on meditation or on hope on time travel. I do some meditate, some research on time travel technology and then using clinical psychology and interventions to help people move away from their wounds and toward thriving. So we can, you know, we can go in any of those directions really. Yeah. So research application through psychedelic assisted therapy to clinical psychology. So, and, and you guys, the reason why I love this topic so much is because there is this therapy and before everyone's like, oh my gosh, we're talking about psychedelics. Ketamine therapy is a psychedelic therapy that is legal in the United States and is being conducted in hundreds, if not thousands of clinics across the United States. And it is getting phenomenal results. In fact, Tristan did ketamine therapy towards the end of his life. And I don't know if you know this, Dr. Sapiro, but Tristan was my husband who died of cancer in July. And there was a lot of trauma around that, around dying and around not feeling safe in his body as his body was decaying. And so we got him into ketamine therapy and it took off the edge of the anxiety and the depression. And the the more I have researched ketamine therapy, the more I'm like, oh my God, everyone needs to be doing this because it literally like mm. rewires the brain. I have heard from people like, 
firsthand how they've been on six medications. They've done ketamine therapy and they're off all of them. And these medications are for yeah. pain and anxiety and depression and all like high blood pressure. And they do ketamine therapy and they're off of it and they see the world differently. And it's almost like a brain reset, right? Because if people have been listening to the podcast in the past, Gina and I have talked a lot about trauma and like messages that we pick up when we're in like children and childhood mm-hmm. or like experiences that we've had that have created a neuropathway in our brain that wires our brain to look for the worst case scenario to protect us, right? And so your brain and your body is literally trained to be hypervigilant to protect itself. And long term, that creates dis-ease and disease and, you know, um, depression and anxiety because your your body and your brain is not supposed to be in that hypervigilant state, right? And so in comes what I like to call the best cheat in the world, ketamine therapy. Mm-hmm. And it literally like helps to rewire the brain and set everything back into homeostasis and people look at the world differently and they're just like oh my gosh there I am I remember feeling this way once upon a time there's so much calm in my brain and my body and like Mm -hmm. people that used to be highly anxious are like sitting like calmly and they are like I'm a different person my life is different I see the world through completely different lenses and so I'm not kidding when I say in my consults when I meet with people and they, they're like, I'm sick. Here's my health history. Look at my blood work. Look at my hair DNA analysis. What do I need to do? And I tell them more, like probably a third of the time you need to do ketamine therapy because there's trauma and there's messages and there's energy here that needs to be healed first. And Gina and I have literally created a course on how people need to heal themselves. And the very first step in the order of healing is mindset. From a health level. <laughs> from a health not, level. not a trauma level. Not a trauma level. <laughs> from, from a health level. level. Like, our expertise yes like how do you heal <laughs> your body we, the, yeah just to be clear like we're not walking through people how to heal their trauma no. mm. but we we do see the the importance of healing the whole body right. and so in like in your experience do you think that it would be something that's beneficial that everyone should experience this or how do you navigate like who should be interested in this and, or are there other modalities that other people should be considering that it's just not for everybody? Before you answer that, can you explain to people what ketamine therapy is, what it does to the brain and then answer Gina's question? Cause a lot of people are probably like, what the heck are they talking about? So is, is yeah, that okay? If we can sure. go into what is ketamine Absolutely. therapy and then go into Gina's question. Yeah. So ketamine was used initially uh, as an anesthetic and essentially what they found was people who were put under, even for dental surgeries or dental experiences or surgeries, they were reporting that their depression was gone for months at mm-hmm. a time, essentially. And so then they started looking at what ketamine was doing in the brain and what was it doing in, for, in thoughts, cognition, and in, in the mood and changes in the mood. And so they started doing research on ketamine for depression, ketamine for other issues, and now they have trials on ketamine for PTSD. I'm about to start some studies on ketamine in firefighters mm. and looking at the differences between doing ketamine in groups individually. So let me break it down just a little bit for talking about ketamine therapy. There's essentially three modalities we would think about. There's the medical model, and that's when you put someone in a room and you give them an infusion and you let them sit there, and the medicine itself does its, does its work on the brain. It's working on dopamine and NDMA receptors. doesn't really work on the serotonin receptors, 
which M, uh, MDMA and psilocybin do. And so you just have the infusion of ketamine and you say, good luck, enjoy yourself. And then the person leaves and goes home. No one's getting a dose of ketamine where you're knocked out completely. Uh-huh. You're either getting a dose where you're still conscious mm-hmm. and your work, your mind is working. You're watching your mind working. You may have a little dissociative experiences or out of body, or we blast you out and you're like in cosmic consciousness. You're mm-hmm. dissolved completely. People call it a K-hole. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're dissolved into you're, the universe. You have no identities left. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're just a part of the fabric of the universe, which is mind blowing in itself because mm-hmm. most of us don't get those experiences unless we're in deep meditation. We go to trance and even sometimes a trauma like a car accident might have mm-hmm. us dissociated so much. We're just a part of the fabric of it all. So there's different levels of ketamine treatment. Then there's three different ways you administer it. You can do lozenge, uh, which dissolves and it goes through the gum layer. It's and then into the belly. And that doesn't have the best administration. It's only about 20% absorption. Mm. So you need to take a higher dose Mm -hmm. or you can do IM, which is an injection or IV, which is an infusion. Mm -hmm. And so we'll measure where they need to be for what level of consciousness. So there's one type of therapy called ketamine assisted therapy, where you're just blasted out and someone's there guiding you and sitting with you. Then there's ketamine-assisted psychotherapy, and that's what I do. And that's where we give a dose where they're in a psychedelic state but still conscious, and I'm actually doing therapy with somebody who's under ketamine, and I'm doing trauma work. I'm doing work on their core wounds, but they're in and out of psychedelic consciousness, psychic consciousness, where they're here and there and everywhere and nowhere, but they're still processing what we're talking about. That's the level I work at, ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. Amazing. Wow. I was curious when, when you mentioned that um, with you can get to some of those places with meditation or if people yeah. are, do you think people can reach, you know, these insights or these places through meditation or and, just through talk therapy? Yes and no. And the reason I'm stopping doing therapy, traditional psychotherapy and moving almost all to ketamine therapy is because it takes so long for a person to feel safe, to drop the ego defenses, Mm. to drop defenses protecting themselves, Mm -hmm. the things they don't really want to admit, the things they don't want to look at. When you're on ketamine, you have such little hold over your ego. The ego comes and goes because it's, it's in a dissociative state. It's here and it's there. It's remembering something. It's projecting into the future. We don't have control over ourselves anymore in a way where we can defend ourselves. So when I meet someone, I can do deeper therapy in two or three sessions than I could do in six months without it because we're so defended mm-hmm. at protecting ourselves. In yeah. ketamine, you're in a state where you hardly can protect yourself. And so, which sounds really scary, right? Which is what we're avoiding the whole time is being vulnerable. Yeah. But those of us who really want to change and are so ready to do the healing work and the growth work, that ketamine, we kind of dissolve the hold we have over our ego. The ego doesn't have the hold it used to. And so I could do the deep work because people are just in the heart space now where they're tender, vulnerable, uh, admitting who they really are, not protecting this image of ourselves. Yeah. And I I can get there and I can do that with meditation. I can help people get there, but it takes so much longer because the ego Mm -hmm. will always kind of hold on to its defenses. Rightfully so for survival. Can you explain that? 
Can you explain that a little bit? Like what is the ego and what happens to this ego? People use the words ego death, right? Can you, can you kind of explain what that means? It's really an ego dissolution. The ego is the part of us that is kind of more in control, more often setting our plans, protecting ourselves, doing the white lies, not wanting to reveal itself. And the ego is just a part of our mind. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's a health. It's actually can be trained to be a very healthy ally for ourselves mm-hmm. when we're working with part of our mind that is generally defensive or won't admit to things. That's a that's an ego that's defended. That's defensive versus a strong, healthy ego which goes, "Yeah, I can see that about myself. Here's what I'm working on, and it doesn't talk poorly to myself." Mm-hmm. You know, we're tr- we have an inner critic, and that's the kind of jerk part of our ego that says we're doing it poorly and we should do it better. We should mm-hmm. be ashamed. It's like that's our unhealthy version of the ego. Yeah. So an ego is a part of our mind that's really looking at helping us survive, but it doesn't always do it skillfully. Can I give an example? So would you say? Because obviously ketamine therapy isn't like ayahuasca. Can I give an example of my experience and how um, I used to be a wreck. I was such a wreck. And I actually like during the whole COVID thing, that's when we found out Tristan's cancer was back. And, you know, and and I was dealing with Tristan's cancer for so long and it was very traumatizing. I was 20 weeks pregnant, but I was already Mm -hmm. an anxious wreck before Tristan's cancer Mm -hmm. diagnosis. And so I was anxiety. Anxiety was me. That was my identity. And I forgot what safety felt like, like feeling unsafe and feeling anxious was who I was. And so I, I couldn't remember what it felt like to be anything else. My ego literally was like, we're going to get you into hypervigilance mode and this is it. This is it for you. So, so I was in therapy and I could understand, my brain could understand what my therapist was saying, but my body and the energy in me could not because I'm like, mm-hmm. I can understand this, but I can't feel it. I have forgotten what that has felt like. It has been decades since I've felt that way. And, and just a smidge more back history as to some of my trauma that I didn't realize was trauma. I grew up in a very dangerous country in South Africa. And, you know, mm. this, the message I was taught from the age of four is if you hear someone break into your house, you hide here and you push panic buttons here and here and here, because the narrative was if people break into your house, they're going to rape you. And so mm. from a very young age, I wow. did not feel safe. I felt like if there and that happens all the time. You have more chance of being raped than getting in a car accident, right? And so these are statistics that I learned from a very young age. So I had forgotten what it felt like to feel safe from the age of four. Now, enter in the cancer journey and having children and trying to protect them and trying to keep my husband alive. I knew I was like, I'm probably going to die in 10 years. And I'm like, and that's fine because there's no way to save me because I'm so far gone. Like this stress is going to kill me. I literally said those words to myself. And so I was in therapy and I could understand all the things I'm like, but I can't feel safe. I forgot what that felt like. Then enters in ayahuasca. Right. And so ayahuasca completely broke that ego, that message, that identity. And was like, actually, here's your power and who you are. And Mm -hmm. so it broke me open. It ruptured me open. And I was like, oh, this is the other person. This is my true self. This is my higher self. I can, I feel it. I see it. It's tangible. Mm-hmm. And then when, when the medicine like wears off and you go back into that ego space, it's like, no, wait a second. There's two players now because now I'm in my ego of hypervigilance, but I remember that girl. Right. I'm going to go yes. towards that girl. I remember who she and, is. I felt yeah. her. She was me and I was her. And I'm going to go towards that. And I'm going to try and practice and, that. Mm. 
Right. Who's the I in that statement? So you you see the an ego function, mm-hmm. which is protective, and it's joined with your anxiety and your mm-hmm. trauma. Mm-hmm. And then you see a part of you that is grounded, safe, and secure. Yes. But there's a part of you witnessing all of that. Yes. And that part of you, we would call in the non-dual sense, is uh, loving awareness or awareness mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. And so in meditation practices we end up trying to infuse ourselves with that awareness. So there's Mike, there's Mike in his trauma body and trauma response. There's Mike in his kind, open stance. He's grounded, but Mm -hmm. I'm actually the witness of all of it. I'm the observer. And non-dual meditation brings us to that place of witnessing. And so does ketamine. So how ketamine I see functioning, it actually puts the nervous system in a state that we would consider more parasympathetic. We call it a little bit, down-regulated because your body's not really online the same way it is when you're off of ketamine. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're essentially dissociated, but you can still feel and be in the body, but it has a sense of freedom and ease. Now, when the body is, has a sense of freedom and ease, we can, it almost, it, it literally tells the brain you're not in danger. So you can relax. Mm-hmm. So the ego dissolves a little bit because it's not on its hyper, you know, vigilant state, mm-hmm. or it's not like, hyper-criticizing, and now you can see things a lot more clearly. Mm. Then we can go to either the core wounds and look at what what do you really need to address? Well, there's a girl in you who's frightened, Mm -hmm. so let's take care of her. Let's love on her. Let's let her know she's safe. Or maybe there's things you're ready to do and thrive, and like, hey, there's a part of me that's ready to come out and and thrive in the world. But ketamine allows us to feel safe, and so we're not feeling threatened. We can actually do either the core wound or the thriving because we're not holding ourselves back and we can learn to love ourselves in that state. Ketamine is a really powerful medicine that gets us into a sense of like well-being that we can start doing the inner healing work or inner growth work we're longing to do. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I loved when I saw Tristan doing it, I, when I saw him do it, how it was like so night and day where his whole nervous system was completely, like you said, completely regulated from sympathetic dominance to that parasympathetic state. And for people that don't understand what that means, uh, sympathetic dominance is fight or flight. And then parasympathetic Mm -hmm. is rest and digest and heal. So Gina, you asked the question, who are the people that should be looking into these therapies and who would be a good candidate for that, for ketamine therapy? Yeah. So, you know, it's, there's actually a lot of good data and my, my clinic, the Boise ketamine clinic, we do treat people with treatment resistant depression. That's a major one that the research has found Mm -hmm. people who have been on antidepressants who are trying, you know, electroshock therapy, who have done all kinds of things are finding that ketamine actually has its profound impact. I want to say this up front though, ketamine, the medical treatment of just getting infusions does certain, has certain benefits, but ketamine with a therapist has the best benefits Mm. because you're not always going to understand what you're experiencing while you're under ketamine and having someone help interpret, help translate, help you find your own innate wisdom. That's when the best and most long sustained changes happen. So if any of you out there are thinking, okay, maybe I'll look into ketamine treatment, I'm suggesting look at ketamine-assisted psychotherapy or ketamine-assisted therapy Mm -hmm. rather than the medical model because you don't just want to be in a room having a psychedelic experience and not knowing really what's going on. You want someone there who's trained and and can guide you and go in your inner world with you. Mm -hmm. So that being said, I treat people with PTSD, chronic depression, anxiety, 
because it doesn't work on serotonin receptors, we're more willing to work with people with bipolar, uh, psychotic features. Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure there's any data on schizophrenia right now, Mm -hmm. uh, because when you're, you have active schizophrenia or active psychosis, you're not really wanting to do psychedelics that it seems to be kind uh, some people are like, yeah, do mushrooms for everything. And I'm like, I don't know if that's mm-hmm. actually true. I don't know if everything is for everybody. Right. So if you're out there and you're like, I'm ready to feel safe in my body, to start feeling a sense of groundedness and ease. I want to work through my trauma. I'm ready to feel better from depression. Ketamine might actually be for you. But here's what I have to say. The drug itself is not as important as the work you're going to do after Mm. you do your ketamine treatment. That's a really important thing to know, I think. Totally. Wow. Your integrative process, the therapy and the lifestyle you choose after. Mm. I do ketamine once a month for my PTSD, and I'll have three weeks that I'm like, dang, I do not feel anxious. And my mind is much clearer. And what I learn in ketamine experience, what I see about myself, I implement it. Mm-hmm. I have practices that I do after my ketamine treatment that I'm, in a daily way, I do these practices so that I can integrate mm-hmm. and implement what I've learned on ketamine. Wow. So I just want you all to know how important that is. So what about people who don't have good family support systems? You know, they have depression and anxiety and they go home and their home is very chaotic can it help them feel more solid and grounded in their body or does it disrupt too much when they don't have a solid support system at home? Well, here's what might happen. I work with someone who has not a lot of support. They maybe feel isolated. There's a reason for that. People are choosing isolation to Mm -hmm. protect themselves when it might not actually be helpful. So what we might discover in a ketamine session is that I'm isolating. Mm -hmm. I don't trust people. And one thing I might want to do different is start reaching out to my most trusted person and go, you know what? I need some support this week. Mm -hmm. I just did ketamine. I learned all this stuff about myself. I feel more safe. Can we hang out a little bit? And can you help me clean my house? Could you help me do something? Like that is a pivot leading toward growth. So what we do before we go to ketamine is we have preparation sessions. Mm. What are your heartfelt intentions? What are your desires for change? It's not just I don't I want to I don't want to feel depressed. I'm like that doesn't help you. That's leaving you on a ship out at sea. Where do you want to end up? We need a beacon on the horizon. Yeah. And that might be taking care of myself in a new way. That might be I'm going to start walking more this week. I'm mm. going to reach out to friends I haven't reached out. I want to be less isolated. I want to be more in community. We're going to set that up. And then when you go in your ketamine experience, we're going to look at why have you been isolating? What's going on for you? Why aren't you trusting people? There might be good reasons in the past, but right now there's not. And you believe there, you should stay distrustful because in the past you've been hurt. That actually keeps you distrustful. Mm. That doesn't actually help you become more trustful. So we want to break that pattern. And ketamine is one way of doing that, as is the therapy you're doing to recognize those stuck points, limiting beliefs. And then we start implementing it after you're done. This episode is sponsored by Cozy Earth, a premium bamboo bedding and loungewear company. You guys, if you want to get 40% off the best sheets of your life, listen up. I am hooked on Cozy Earth bamboo sheets. I never knew how much better my sleep would get because of their temperature and moisture regulation. 
Not only that, but they are antibacterial, insanely soft, and one of my favorite things besides being certified free of harsh chemicals and dyes is that they are a company that practices ethical production, which is a huge bonus for me. So if you're ready to try these sheets and get better sleep, go to CozyEarth.com and use this incredible 40% off discount code, Gutsy. Do you, do you, would you have say a that process that, for integration for people or do you just kind of let them like let it marinate or what does integration well, look like? Yeah, integrations for me is very specific. I'm also MAPS trained, they running the MDMA trials. And can you explain um, to people what MAPS is? Protocol. Yeah, mm-hmm. Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies. Mm-hmm. And since the 80s, they have been studying MDMA. And mm-hmm. just to before I said NDMA, it's NMDA. That's the receptor uh, ketamine works on. So MDMA, what's known as Molly, as the ecstasy, essentially. MAPS is a corporation that's been studying the effects of MDMA on severe and chronic PTSD, and they're having mm-hmm. incredible results. Phenomenal results, um, yeah. Because of phenomenal results with people with chronic PTSD. So I'm just finished my training so that in the future I can also offer MDMA therapy for people with PTSD. Is that so legal right already, now? No, it's going to be legal no, in no. 2023. Okay. I think um, I went to a conference if in Vegas. All goes well. If all goes well, it's yeah. going to be legal in 2023 in clinics across the USA. And th- like the statistics they were sharing at this conference were phenomenal. It's like, what, like 84% of people were noticing like complete changes and decreases in their anxiety and something like 64% of people were being cured of their PTSD and their anxiety and depression. It was something ridiculous. Don't, don't quote me on those numbers, mm-hmm. you guys, but they were out of this world <laughs> phenomenal and my jaw like dropped when I was mm-hmm. hearing what these research papers were coming out of. What kind of results are you seeing? Yeah, what kind of results are you seeing, Michael? Yeah, the reason I'm switching from traditional psychotherapy to doing more ketamine therapy. And I'm seeing firefighters, law enforcement, a lot of first responders, a lot of combat vets, special op guys, mostly men. Like I said, I could do six months with somebody and we get to the heart of the thing and we we start after we've processed what happened and how their brain body reacts to it and continues to kind of create this behavior pattern that's not good for them. What I'm finding is within one to three sessions of ketamine, we're getting to the same place it took me six months to get. Mm. And a person's having an embodied experience of peace, well-being, ease, and they also have an embodied experience of grief, sadness, loss, the things that we're all holding onto from our traumas, from the way we've been taught, from, from how we've been talked to in our lives. You know, we store all this. And we're reacting to the past. Our, most of us in the present moment are living our lives relating to mm-hmm. what has happened to us. Yeah. And so when we look forward, we're like, why is everything I'm about to do the same as I've just done? Like everything I'm doing feels like where I've just come from is because most of us are living out of the conditions of our past. And what ketamine and all these psychedelic assisted therapies are doing are making it very clear that that's happening in our body brain complex and our mind is conditioned that way. And we're able to see it in real time and start relating to ourselves differently. In the present moment, we might finally allow ourselves to grieve that thing we never allowed ourselves mm-hmm. to truly grieve. So we're feeling it, we're letting it be there, we're honoring it, 
in the container of well-being, in the container of safety. Doing that in one to three sessions is life-changing because now you have a model to do it differently moving forward. So when you start feeling that anxiety again or start feeling that kind of depressiveness, you know how to come inward and go, hey, you know, I can can take care of myself. I'm here for myself. I'm going to offer myself some love. People don't know how to do that. And ketamine treatment allows for that. So that's so profound to give a person a felt sense of love and self-love. That's the medicine for all of this. And if it takes ketamine to give someone an experience of self-love, then I'm all for it, for the right conditions, you know, for the right right people, right patients. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm seeing mostly come out of ketamine. I worked with this guy and he touched on joy within himself for the first time in well over 20 plus years. Joy, joy and bliss. Now he knows what it feels like. So we can return him to that anytime. Mm -hmm. We didn't talk about my methods for integration. We can go there in a sec, but I just wanted to tell you why ketamine therapy is so powerful because you get an embodied sense of this joy this well-being, this safety that most of us is very hard to touch. Amazing. Can I ask a quick question before we, before you move on to the integration, you said, you know, people with PTSD are for the first time, they're feeling joy and they're feeling this. What about people who do have a lot of trauma or PTSD and then they experience those emotions? Can it be re-traumatizing or in some instances, do you find it it's too much or it's too traumatic or do you always see that it's beneficial? You know, that's the interesting part while you're on ketamine, at least, you know, your body's not reacting the same way to any of those traumas. So mm. you, I, we bring up the, sometimes the people's worst experiences they've been through, but because the body is so at ease, wow. yes, they're going, I, I think I'm scared And we look at what is fear. Where is it in your body? Because they're in a different place and they're non-defended, they're not even holding on to that. And it kind of slips. They're like, oh, it was here, but now it's not here. Or maybe it's just in the periphery, but now I can relax it. I haven't found, and I do extensive trauma work. I mean, I work with people with severe trauma and I've never seen a flip out on ketamine. And I have seen some flip outs on DMT but, but that's because the ego's dissolving and dying so quickly, people mm-hmm. get very afraid to lose their sense of identity. But the truth is losing your identity is very freeing. Yeah. I'm sometimes tired of being in this trauma body of Mike and the way he thinks. It can be tiring. So when I go on ketamine, I have this experience of like, oh, oh, you know, I'm not trapped in my body this second and I can relate to it differently. Mm. Yes, people are re-traumatized doing EMDR and other kind of clinical therapies, Mm. but I haven't found that on ketamine, actually. Wow, interesting. Well, I haven't heard that before, that people can sometimes be re-traumatized from EMDR and other therapies. Oh, a lot because they're the the therapist is like, we're going to bring up your most awful experience and we're going to hopefully do this, you know, some this eye movement work and mindfulness work, which is really, it does help. But a lot of my, I don't do MDR and nor am I against it, but a lot of my patients who have done it say they were so traumatized and triggered Mm. bringing that stuff out without having a way to regulate the rest of the week Mm. where with the ketamine treatment, And I'm not 100% for everyone doing ketamine. I'm just saying when it works, and I've seen it work, people then feel so at ease in their body 
And it's the same with MDMA too. They're on it, but the sense of bliss and well-being that arises while you're doing your trauma response, you're actually being reprogrammed in the moment to see the memory is just a memory. Your body is freaking out because it thinks it's real in real time. But when you see these thoughts, these memories don't even exist in the present moment. The body is relaxing. You can tell the body, Hey, I'm safe. You don't need to freak out. It's a memory. It's a terrible mm-hmm. memory, but the, I can stay safe while thinking of this terrible memory. I can even feel joy while thinking of this terrible memory. Yeah. That's why MDMA and ketamine are so helpful. You feel this sense of well-being and bringing up the worst, but the worst can't stick. It has nowhere to hold. Your body's yeah. relaxed. You're feeling some bliss. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's why these are so powerful. Amazing. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I get that now. So interesting. So let me ask a question because you said like, oh, I'm safe and I feel blah, blah, blah. What about people that are doing these therapies that have cancer or like MS or Parkinson's or ALS and they come out of these sessions and they're like, but I'm not safe in my body because I am dealing with a really intense illness. How, right how do we help those people? <laughs> Grief. Mm-hmm. You have to grieve the loss of the relationship to the body you wish you had. Okay. And can, can you go more into none that? Of us get out of death and, none of us get out of death and dying. Yeah. And I, I have empathy for all of us who have chronic illnesses, diseases, and pain. Mm-hmm. Our bodies are meant to grow old, get strong, and then start decaying. Mm-hmm. And so actually what I mean is like mature and strengthen then the natural arc is decay and death. Mm -hmm. All of us will have to face our decaying bodies. Some of us have MS and lupus and AIDS and things that are really painful and hurtful. It's the way we relate to our body where the healing is. None of us is getting out of decaying and death. None Mm -hmm. of us. So how do we want to relate to the disease? First of all, you are not your bodies, your consciousness in a body. Mm-hmm. Our bodies are not our own. We can do our best to take care of our bodies, to love on our bodies, strengthen them and keep them fit and healthy as best as we can, knowing that they will decay and die is a part of the body's plan. So how do you relate to it as it starts to decaying and dying? How do you relate to your body? Do you hate it? Do you wish it was a different one? Well, that's toxic. That will cause more stress hormones and more decay quicker. Mm -hmm. Or do you learn to love it no matter what condition? Mm -hmm. Recognize the body is decaying, but your consciousness is awake and aware. You can have peace. You can have deep sense of well-being even when the body is struggling. Is that possible? Like through ketamine therapy and like how you could assist people? And through deep meditation, eye rest, non-dual meditation, yoga nidra. Mm -hmm. People with chronic Diseases are finding that through loving awareness practices, when they become bigger than their body, when we see Mm. I am the awareness around sensations, Mm. then you feel sensation and you relate to it differently. You start literally having love and compassion for the body that's hurting, for you who's sensing the pain. But we learn to not attribute I am the disease, I am this pain, I experience this pain in my body. So one of the first responders who had a significant critical incident and lost his leg in it and intense nerve pain and nerve damage uh, in ketamine, I got him to a place where he was wider and more spacious than his own body. So when the nerve pain did arise, 
he was able to see it in a whole new way and see the edges of the pain. Mm, Where are the edges of the pain? Where does it start and where does it go toward? And then you can see beyond the edges of the pain is maybe the air around the body or the noises and the sound in the room. Mm. So now your perspective is not one of acute pain, but one of pain arising in my spacious awareness. And this takes a lot of practice and patience so that we relate to ourselves in a healthy healing manner without fighting. And there also has to be deep grief because you're like, I, I'm so sad. I, my body's dying or it has this disease and I wish it was different. And we have to validate that without getting caught in it. Cause that turns yeah. to depressiveness. If we don't process our grief, well, right. it becomes depression and then trauma. Michael, that was stunning. Everything you just said there was like poetry. Mm-hmm. Because that's really, that's a really hard one for, especially, you know, we have a lot of listeners that don't feel well, that don't feel like they don't feel good in their bodies. They've been trying to heal their bodies for so long, you know? And so everything you said there, I hope that, um, I hope that resonated Mm -hmm. with a lot of people. All too, all too often people are trying to heal by fighting what they're trying to heal. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can't fight the thing you're trying to love. Yes. Do you You know, you can't. Oh my gosh. I have a quote. Like I, I say, you can't heal a body you're at war with. It's like trying to, you know, uh, repair a relationship with a person you're, you're determined to despise. So I love that you said that. And it's like, you know, finding, but, but it's like practicing that peace and practicing that love. And sometimes, you know, utilizing the ketamine therapy and integrating it with all like the yoga and the the meditation that you mentioned in the beginning, it might feel like a full-time job, you know, because you're literally rewiring your brain and like your being, you are literally reforming your being, but that's worth it. It like, that is worth, you know, working a full-time job for it to, to find your inner peace and embrace your inner peace. I say, give me six months of your life and do this diligently. Say yes to what I'm going to ask of you and to what, you know, once we set your heartfelt goals and intentions for yourself, give me at least six months of dedicated work that you're going to say yes to every day so that it's not just a neurological shift. It's a psychological, spiritual shift. You're saying yes to this whole new way of being because you can have the rest of your life Mm-hmm. be exactly like it is now. Yeah. And you're going to keep struggling the same way or you can reset and you can reprogram yeah. in a whole new way that involves love, vulnerability, mm. being honest about what you're really feeling yeah. and how to tend to yourself. And you can sig- have significant changes that will be sustained the rest of your life. Yeah. Beautiful. That is really stunning. So, Let's circle back around to the integration. What does that sure. look like? It, it's almost like what we're just talking about. So you have this experience in ketamine or whatever therapy you're using, whatever medicine, you get a sense of well-being and ease. You might have touched some joy or you might have touched the deep wound. And then you, when I say touch the deep wound, I mean you're bringing your awareness, your loving awareness to it. And you're also bringing your hands to your heart and the belly while you're even under ketamine. You're feeling this tenderness towards yourself. You're feeling this this grief of what you haven't grieved. You've literally touching on this and you recognize, oh, I've been a jerk to myself. Like I Mm. shame myself instead of support myself. Let's say that's the one piece of we learned in your ketamine treatment that I'm harsh on myself. I'm not supportive. So how do we want to integrate that piece into your daily life until I see you again? 
well, we're probably going to journal your experiences. Everybody gets to kind of write about what the ketamine or experience was like. They might draw things. The next day, the next few days, you're really processing what I experienced, what I thought, what I saw, what I felt. And then when we have our integrative session, we're going to start talking about what do you want to integrate into your life? Do you want to be kinder to yourself? Like, do you want to start talking to yourself in a way that's supportive rather than dismissive or invalidating? Mm -hmm. So I'll just choose one. We'll choose one thing like that. And I'll have the people start becoming aware of how often they talk poorly to themselves and what it feels like in the body. And then they stop themselves right there. They go, hold on. Don't talk to me like that. Calm down. And then you substitute. I'm doing the best I can. Maybe I need someone to talk to today. Maybe I just need to rest a little more. Now you start talking to yourself in a way that's supportive. Mm -hmm. Now we're integrating what you learned in the ketamine treatment into your daily waking life. And I'm going to ask you as much as you can every day, notice when you're talking poorly and substitute it, even if it doesn't feel natural with something supportive. Mm -hmm. And now you're starting to create a new habit that you watch. And I always say, come back and tell me where you succeeded and where you were challenged. And then we look at, oh man, 90% of the time I was a jerk, but 10% of the time I caught it. I put my hand on my heart and I said, I'm sorry, I talked to you that way. Mm-hmm. Let's do something different. And that is enough of a pivot to make a difference toward a new behavior. I love that. I've noticed when people start their healing, they feel like they're actually regressing because they're noticing all the bad habits. And it's like, no, no, this is, this is part of your healing is that you are unearthing and you're recognizing all the ways that you have dishonored yourself and disrespected yourself and not shown love, like keep going. Like it, it might get harder. It might get harder before it gets better. And that's okay, you know, like trust the journey. And so I did want to put a little plug in because I went to this this conference like a month ago and it's talking about the research behind psilocybin and MDMA and, you know, ketamine therapy and how it's having these incredible curative rates, like super high. And I want listeners, because I know this is a new topic to listeners. And, and I want listeners to understand that like maybe we can keep an open mind because a lot of people are like, oh, those are drugs that people used in the 70s just to party and blah, 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 blah. That's actually not true. And I'm really excited for this new wave of study. Like, yes, everything can be abused. Let's look at opioids for a second, right? The opioid epidemic. That's a prescribed drug that is destroying people's lives. The third leading cause of death in America is iatrogenic causes, which is caused by medical mistakes mistakes, right? And so, yes, there's, there's, there's pros and cons to everything, right? So when it comes to, you know, when people are like, oh my gosh, they're talking about psilocybin and MDMA, like what is happening? But I I really want to, I really want to go back to the research. The research is phenomenal. They're in like second phase human trials, right now and they're just like it's blowing third phase third phase phase. and and it's just blowing researchers minds and maybe as as listeners maybe as people we can keep an open mind to this because hopefully when it comes in the next year or two it's going to help people in mass because think of the mental health crisis we are in right now that covid just shone a light on right depression Mm -hmm. and anxiety has like blown up. People are so anxious and so depressed and feel so isolated. And like, talk about global trauma. Like I got COVID 
And I thought I was all enlightened and all of these things. And, and when I got COVID, oh my gosh, I just went into trauma response and all of my traumas mm-hmm. came up and I felt unsafe and like people literally thought I was going to die. <laughs> like, and so I'm dealing with like so much trauma and I didn't realize me and all of my ego and enlightenment, I was like, oh, COVID, I'm going to be fine. No, I wasn't. I've actually heard all the stories of people dying at young ages and did it. And that was actually in my body. And then when I actually got COVID, I got super traumatized. Think of like everyone has that trauma in their bodies globally and think of these incredible medicines that are going to be coming to light in the next few years and how it can actually help people heal on so many layers and in ways that we have never seen in like the space of humanity. So I'm really, I really just want to invite people to keep an open mind as research comes out. And a lot of people might be thinking, well, where's the research about how it puts holes in the brain and researchers, because researchers, they, they spoke about this at the conference and researchers are like, do you want us to fabricate research? There are no holes in the brain. There are no negative side effects. Like, like the brain is completely intact. If you want, we can make up stuff, but, but that's unethical. Right. And so, so maybe we can, as listeners, because I know we have a more conservative listenership, maybe we can keep an open mind and we can continue to research and hope for the best because this is what our world needs. Our world needs deep healing. And these like things like ketamine therapy are proving to be phenomenal. So phenomenal. Mm. Everything we put in our body is a substance, Mm -hmm. caffeine, food, sugar, pop, or soda, wherever you're from. Everything is a substance and has an impact on our brain, body, and our mind. If you eat too much sugar, your mood does something. If you have too much, too many stimulants, like coffee, your mind does something. We're looking at MDMA, ketamine as synthetic drugs. We're looking at ayahuasca, DMT, 5-MeO, and psilocybin as natural, natural medicines to see what those compounds, what those substances do to our body, brain, mind. So as a researcher myself and as a clinician, I'm looking at what has the most healing potential for all of us across the globe to connect Mm -hmm. us to ourselves, our hearts, to each other, to our communities, to animals, to the earth itself. What will help facilitate the deepest healing for the sake of the most transformation on our planet? And if these substances have that impact, positive impact, I just ask us all to be open-minded and even skeptical is fine, but close-minded while we're drinking caffeine and mm-hmm. smoking cigarettes and, and, and eating and tons eating of sugar, fast food mm-hmm. is really detrimental to our well-being globally. So just consider what it might take for you to open your mind enough to be willing to dive into something that's kind of scary and unknown for your own healing and health. Mm-hmm. for the sake of all of us, because we're all joined together in this. Thank you, Dr. Michael. Um, oh, how can yeah. people find you? Like, what is your, your clinic's website? Are you on Instagram? Tell us about your show so that people can track you down a little sure. bit more. I have a really cool radio show called Radio Awakened out of KRBX. It's on human potential. They can find me at michaelsapiro.com. And I'm Dr. Mike Boise on Instagram. But really, michaelsapiro.com, it has all the information on the work I do clinically, research, the trainings I offer, the retreats I lead. I do organizational psychology work. So they can find me at michaelsapiro.com. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you for your time, Doc. We really appreciate this. And I'm so grateful that people like you exist in the world who are helping facilitate people's healing and their, their awakenings. So thank you.
And thank you. Yeah, thank you both. Thanks. Awesome. Until next time, guys. Hey, take care. Thank you for listening to the Gutsy Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed and learned a lot from this episode. For more updates, follow us on Instagram at Gutsy Health Podcast.